Ready to go? Yes. Okay. Welcome back to Hawaii Real, everybody. I'm your host, Io Ke'ehu, and I'd like to send a shout out to our beverage host, Hawaiian Springs Water. Great alkaline water. The um, the link for where you can go buy this is on uh, Amazon. I'm going to put it in the description below, so go ahead and check them out. It's great water, bottled straight from the Big Island. It's good stuff. All right, and I have with me today the super awesome and inspiring Olena Hugh. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, taking the uh, time out of your day. It's my here. honor, especially to be your first guest of 2020. First 2020. one of 2022. I'm yeah. so excited. There's been so many changes coming through Hawaii Real. I'm just going out of my mind. I'm actually going to start tapering back on how many episodes I do. I mm. used to throw out weekly episodes. So everybody out there, all my uh, uh, longtime fantastic listeners, uh, we're going to start dialing back a little bit. It's not going to be a weekly episode anymore because I'm doing actual other production work for other people. So mm-hmm. that's what we're diving into. Well, congratulations. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> just constant evolution. But you're also like this renaissance woman that's just... I keep busy. <laughs> well, you were telling me off camera before we even started rolling about your uh, your background when you started growing up and that like you were home by yourself for stretches at a time and yeah, crazy. And all the jobs that you had. Let's start with that. Like, okay. What was the craziest job you had? Ooh, the craziest job I ever had. Well, one of the first jobs I ever had was working at a bakery that was also a Mexican restaurant. So on one side, it was famous Jacques Bakery in Kilauea on Kauai that was known for their big flaky cinnamon rolls. And it was a cafe and I was making lattes and cappuccinos and then walk across on the other side. It was a Mexican takeout. (laughs) So I didn't even know the difference between a latte or a cappuccino. I was just steaming the milk, putting it in and then serving burritos on the other side. And I would walk to work. It was about three blocks from my house. Was that fun? It was. How old were you when you did that? I think I was 15. Oh. Yeah. So you started out working young. Mm-hmm. And then I was a bus girl at Cafe Luna in Princeville and Cafe Portofino in Lihue. And uh, interestingly enough, in actually it was in Hanalei. Cafe Luna was in Hanalei. Gabby Reese and her husband would go there and then... Um, the volleyball player? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And with Laird Hamilton. And then also the coach from... Um, one of those TV shows on, I can't even remember, but he was a famous actor. He would come in all the time too. So it was kind of cool just bussing tables and having celebrities come in. Nice. So you're from Kauai. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Yeah. And you grew up um, just going over there, but you grew up by yourself. And <laughs> I mean, you were telling me the story how your mom was uh, a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. So my mom actually was from Brooklyn, New York. And she became a flight attendant with United Airlines back in the late 70s. And she wanted to get as far away as possible from New York. So like a lot of people that end up on Kauai, something just drew her to it. And she felt like she was called there. So she moved to Kauai and she was based in Honolulu and she would fly internationally. She was a single mom, had me. And she would leave me for days, like four or five days at a time because she was flying uh, with different babysitters. So when I was a young baby, I had a Hawaiian family that took care of me in Anahola. When I was in elementary school, I had a Filipino family. And then I had another Hawaiian family, you know, in the midst of elementary and middle school, um, or actually just in the midst of elementary school. And then that particular family, the mom was a widow and she had five daughters. Then she met a man who had two sons and then she had become pregnant with twins. 
So, so they didn't like have a total enough of room. Nine? Yeah. <laughs> and so she, my mom tried, you know, letting me stay with other people. It didn't really work out. So from at about 10, then I would just stay home alone. So we had a three bedroom, two bathroom house in Kilauea. And I just go to school and stay home alone. Just and took care of yourself when mm-hmm. your mom went away to work. Props to the microwave. <laughs> TV dinners, uh, and then I'm shared with you that you know back in '92 when Iniki hit, I was home alone as well. I wasn't home alone during the entire thing. My mom actually caught the very last flight to the island, but in the day leading up to and when everything had happened, I had prepped at the house by myself, filled the bathtubs with water, taped the windows. Jeez. We had cats at the time. You were ten or eleven. I was eleven. Jeez. Yeah, and for for those listeners who don't remember, Iniki actually, like, the center of Iniki hit Kauai. Mm-hmm. It was a Category 5 storm. Right. So it just destroyed so much. Was your guys' house okay? We had a hollow tile wall around our house, and the wall in the back fell down. And we had some roof damage, and we had a gate, like a redwood iron gate, and that blew off. But other than that, it was okay. It wasn't like, you know, the whole house was killed, but... It was a crazy experience. We had, you know, Hawaiian Telecom set up phone banks so we could call family to let them know that we were alive. We would go down to Kalihiwai Bay and swim and bathe in the river. FEMA would give us MRIs to eat. You would throw the MRIs out in the sun to warm them. And the little little shops and stuff in town, they were giving away, you know, steaks and ice cream because it was all going to melt. Yeah, because they had to. Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, eat everything because yeah. it's going to, yeah, there's no electricity to, to keep anything frozen. God, just imagine, it, it, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had like a really big, bad um, disaster like that in a while. I know. Hopefully we won't. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty devastating. There, there is a couple of uh, hurricane scares and uh, yeah, just recently, right? Mm-hmm. Last year and stuff. The hurricanes kind of turned away. Yes. Everybody's like, this is the big one. The big one's coming. And then, nope, didn't come. So technically, I lived through two hurricanes back in, I believe, 84 or 82, Hurricane Eva. Right. And then in 92 with um, Iniki. Yeah, Kauai's just out there, hanging out there. It's really vulnerable. <laughs> true. We don't have land masses to protect or us. huge mountains, mountain ranges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's... I have fond memories as a child. I spent most of my time riding my bike and going to the beach and up to Crater Hill and the Kilauea Lighthouse. And the town that I grew up in was an old plantation village with a lot of farmers. It was so old that the homes were made out of lava rocks along the main road. So if you drive down, headed towards, I think it's called Daniel K. Inouye Lighthouse now, um, the homes on the right-hand side are made out of rock. And so, yeah, it's just, it was interesting. But once I turned 17 and I graduated from high school, I was like, I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> so I moved to Honolulu and I thought, you know, hopefully I can make it in the big city. And uh, big city my Honolulu. dream was to work at Duke's. <laughs> and so I wanted to be a hostess at Duke's and I thought that would be the coolest thing. And you made it happen. I did. I got hired. I worked there for a bit. Then I worked at David Paul's Diamond Head Grill. David Paul's kind of famous on Maui. He has the Lahaina restaurant back in the day. And then I decided I wanted to work at the number one restaurant in Hawaii. So I called Alan Wong's and I said, are you hiring? And they said, yeah. So I got hired as a hostess and then I moved from hostess to busser, 
a stalker, runner, expediter, and then I was a waitress or a captain, as they called us. And I worked there for 10 years. And actually, when I was Miss Hawaii, I was a waitress at Alan Wong. So people used to call and request Miss Hawaii's section. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then after I got hired in news and I got promoted to morning show anchor, I couldn't wait tables until midnight anymore. Wait, you were still waiting tables? I was. And working at the news? Yep. Wow. I was working one night a week. That's insane. Yeah. Wait. Oh, so you were working at Alan Wong's one night a week or mm -hmm. the news one night a week? I was working the news full time and then waiting tables at Alan Wong's one night a week just, oh, okay, just to okay. kind of maintain. I thought you were like, you're doing like both full time. I'm like, whoa, oh. killer. So, so you started out in the media. Let's talk about that a little bit because there was some, a little bit of controversy there a little bit, right? Because you tried to get into one mm -hmm. news channel and they didn't want, or they wanted you for a different section. Yeah. So I actually, for my practicum during my senior year for my undergrad, I interned at KHNL. Okay. And so ironically, that's where PBS is now on that San Island Road area. That used to be the KHNL news station. Since then, KHNL has converted into Hawaii News Now, which is K5, KJMB, and KHNL. But at that time, it was uh, Walter McCullough, Paul Drews, Diana Coe, Stephanie Lum was there too. So I interned. They would send me to all kinds of things. They would send me to like stabbings, murders, vigils and I would go out with a cameraman and they're like, you know, you're so awesome. So I auditioned for a morning anchor with Howard Dashevsky and Paul Drews. And I had never anchored the news before. So I was super nervous. And they're like, oh yeah, I know you not, you didn't really work out, but we like to offer you morning weather. And I was like, I don't want to do the weather. <laughs> It'll be the nothing, weather girl. No. Nothing against it, but in past years there had been some pageant girls that became weather people oh, and i was like so no like stigma kind of thing you're trying to avoid a little bit i wanted to be a respected journalist yeah you know my goal was to become an award-winning journalist and so i said no i don't want to do the weather and they're like oh okay so then i went to kgmb and this was on the verge of them launching their brand new morning show called sunrise and i brought my book and i told them how I'd been interning and I did this and that and I wrote all these things and they're like, oh yeah, no one's going to hire you. You don't have experience. You have to move. And then I got contacted by KHON and I told them, you know, I'm interested in working for you. I want to be a journalist. I want to be an award-winning journalist and I don't want to do the weather. And they said, okay. And they hired me as a general assignment reporter. So I worked nights and weekends. So I was on the 10 o'clock news with Joe and, um, one year later, they moved me up to morning show. So it was kind of kismet to go from, you know, wanting to be on the morning show. I, I want to kind of pick your brain on like, what's your mindset going through all of these things where you're, you're setting your goal. For, yeah. I want to be a, an, an award-winning journalist. Like where did that come from and how did that motivation you know, push you forward? I think there was a lot of stigma. I remember walking into the newsroom at KHNL and there was an assignment desk editor and he wouldn't talk to me. And I think because I had been Miss Hawaii, there's like this negative, like, oh, what do you want to be, right? So people would say to me, even at KHNL or at KHON when I started, oh, what do you want to be, an anchor? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to tell great stories and be a respected journalist. So I think that's where the award-winning part came from. I didn't want to just be put on makeup and read the news. And it was interesting because 
I had gone to a military homecoming. And if you've ever covered one of those, which you probably haven't because unless you're in media, right? It's pretty interesting. You go on base. It's just you and the families. And it's very heart-wrenching because they haven't seen them for like a year, right? right. And um, one day, I think it was like close to the 4th of July, and I'd gone to these before. And every time you go, there's like hundreds of soldiers coming home. And for some reason, the media people all kind of follow the same people because they notice, oh, that person's talking to them or that person will talk on camera. And mm -hmm. So you're always trying to find that little hidden gem that no one else is going to get. I saw this little girl. She was dressed in red, white, and blue, right? Fourth of July is coming. Beautiful. Wife, red dress, red, white, and blue scarf. And I seen the little girl see her dad. And then there was also like a baby too or something. And I told my cameraman, get them, get them. So he gets them, they're running, they get together, all of this, tears, crying, everything, interview them, submitted it for a Edward R. Murrow and we won. Nice. Yeah. So that was my first. So you, you had the eye. Just something about that, the daughter. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting because the baby that she had, he had never met right. because he was deployed. And so, yeah, that was the first time I won an award. And then after that, I've won numerous SPJs. Uh, and then after leaving the news, uh, one of my works earned a telly. And then I also wrote a TV show that was nominated for an Emmy. So sometimes I think I'm not accomplished enough. What? <laughs> and so I feel like I have to do more. <laughs> it's like we can dive into like imposter syndrome. Too. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like what even made you want to to be in the news because you started out really young. I was curious. Um, I didn't know if that was right for me, but as a child, I would pick up a bottle of Hawaiian Springs water and go, Hawaiian Springs water, you know, delicious, mm -hmm. natural. Mm -hmm. And I would pretend I was the only child, right? So, <laughs> and uh, so as and, a child, you're pretending you're on television. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then the first time I had ever gone out, it was a click it or ticket campaign. And Scott Ishikawa was with the Department of Transportation at that time. And the reporter I was with was like, here's a microphone. You're going to interview him. And I was like, what? And the day that I had interviewed him on the side of the road at that click it or ticket, I was like, this is what I was meant to do. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it just all kind of happened. So was it your passion before or is that something that became a passion later on? It's something that became a passion later on because I didn't study journalism. I actually studied speech communication. And initially, when I first enrolled in college, I studied political science. Guess what I wanted to be? Politician. A lawyer. A lawyer. <laughs> eh, we know some good lawyers. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and then I realized, I don't think I want to be a lawyer. I don't think that's going to make me happy. Right. And so... I thought, oh, you know, I really like speech. I kind of was tinkering with becoming a speech pathologist. And then I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do speech communication. And then when they were like, oh, you know, you could do a practicum, an internship somewhere. Where do you want to intern? I was like, why don't I intern, intern at a news station? <laughs> and so, yeah, it just kind of fell into place. Is there kind of any advice you would give to someone up and coming or someone who was a teenager in high school or, or in college just getting out and looking into the same kind of uh, industry? It's a lot of writing. A lot of people don't really understand that. And it's not academic writing because I actually went back and got my master's while I was anchoring the news too. It's conversational writing and you have to do a lot of research. 
And the news stories that you see on TV, they're actually the journalists and the reporters come in every day with news ideas and they pitch it to the producers. So you have to be very well connected in your community. You have to have news ideas. You have to have, you know, sources. And so you're not just walking in and saying like, oh, hey, you know, they're going to hand you a story. You have to come in with your So you got to do your homework. Yep. Totally do your homework. Yeah. I did want to dive into some of these cool off the wall questions that we have some icebreakers even though you don't really need an icebreaker you just like go like to go into talking and stuff but that's your profession i like having conversations and i'm holding back right now because i like to ask other people questions too right oh <laughs> i i'm down for that i'm down to be interviewed by the famous olena hugh uh okay. so why did you start the podcast why did i start the podcast because when i looked around at the time i loved listening to joe rogan london real and I looked for something local that was similar as a podcast, long form, mm-hmm. couldn't find anything. You know, people were having podcasts, but they weren't like a one-on-one, different guests all the time going into depth and detail on um, the guest and the person and their stories. And you started this in 2019. Yeah, September 2019. So when I made a decision, hey, I'm going to do this because nobody else is doing it. I'm going to start buying equipment. No idea what the hell I was doing. And just kind of took a big bite out of the sandwich and just started hunkering down and learning it, watching YouTube videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Has it grown a lot? I noticed podcasts have kind of been blowing up the past couple of years. Yes. And I think that podcasting is the next stage of advertising also mm-hmm. for companies. So I think um, it's not just a personal hobby anymore for people to do. It still is, and it's still going to be out there, but... Similar to how radio was, at one point in time, it was just somebody in their yard or in their garage putting out, you know, shows and stuff like that, to now it was, it became like this huge advertising industry. I think podcasts have the ability to do that too. It's interesting. I had a client that had told me that he felt AirPods were going to contribute to the success of podcasts. Because the little things people, you put in your ears? Yeah. Because oh. people could have greater access to listening to them. Like while you're working out or, hmm. you know. Very true. And I was like, hmm, yeah, you might be onto something there. Yeah. And then he launched a podcast. <laughs> nice. That's the thing. It's like people can launch podcasts and it's it's easier now than ever to do your own podcast. Still is a lot of work. And doing the audio only podcast is fairly simple. You mm-hmm. record and you edit it a little bit, touch up the sound in the net and then release it. Um, adding the video aspect to it, that's just taking it to a whole nother level. So that is one of the goals is to make it look really good or look as good as I can make it. So it's like the good quality cameras or the good quality lenses, the lighting, blah, blah, blah. I know the evolution of the podcast to now be more like a video show. People are calling them vodcasts. Yeah. I don't know if I like that name. Hmm. They just call it a show. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but whatever they call it, that's kind of uh, what it is. You Mm -hmm. know, I think, YouTube and all these other uh, social media platforms have allowed for us to put out long form content uh, without having to trim it all the way down to like two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You can have like an hour long thing. Do you get offended if people call you a podcaster? No. You like it? Sure. I get offended if people call me a blogger. Do you blog? I guess so. Okay. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. <laughs> I equate that 
to my husband being a general foreman, Finnish carpenter, mm-hmm. he hates being called a handyman. I see. Yeah. I see. I guess, you know, because I'm in the police department, I, that'd be similar to somebody calling me an officer. Mm. It's like I'm a higher rank person. It's like, I uh, yes, theoretically I am, but technically not. But what if they were to call you a cop? See, that's fine because that's an overall concept. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Hey, if they bring me bacon, all the better. I eat that And stuff donuts. Out. Donuts, please. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I didn't know you were with HPD. I would have brought you some. Oh, no, no. No, my stomach, I do not need any more of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's funny, when they, when people bring donuts to the office, I'm like all into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a favorite? Uh, Cam Bakery. Shout out to Cam Bakery. Yep. Love their glazed donuts. Poi yes. donuts. Poi donuts are really good. They had a thing back when they were on School Street called Balinta Walk. And it's like a sweet bread pastry with like a brown sugar, really dense... And then they changed it. They still have it, but it's a little bit different. They put like a Chantilly cream on top now. So it's like super, super sweet. But if you ever see it, get it. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. It's a Filipino pastry, but their version is like so out of this world. Nice. I actually like dipping donuts in coffee too. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And I don't think enough people do that. It's like, yes, donuts were actually invented to like dip into coffee. The original ones. Marriage made in heaven. I actually went to LA. I uh, co-host a TV show called Dokoga TV. And I was like, okay, since we're going to be in LA overnight, can we stop at number one, In-N-Out? And number two, I know, (laughs) Randy's Donuts. They're so good. Mm. So that's the one that Iron Man's sitting in the donut. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Your okay, eyes okay. are like, me. Now I'm just like, yes. And now you're like, yeah. Iron Man there? Yeah. <laughs> they were absolutely fantastic donuts. In-N-Out? I don't understand what the people's craze about In-N-Out. It's so good and it's fresh. And, it's just, oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, do you have a favorite? We'll agree to this. <laughs> I love Wendy's. Yeah, see? It's just... I love Wendy's French fries because they're like on the fatter side of French fries. Okay. In and Out's French fries are like kind of thin and crispy. How about Animal Style? You've never had it. I've never had it. Okay, I could tell because there was like a blank look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the fries. Okay, so honestly, In and Out's fries are awful. They're not good. Okay, so I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. However, Animal Style is kind of like this mix of sautéed onions, cheese, and then their Thousand Island dressing aioli thing. That makes it phenomenal. Okay. Yes. Okay. But we can do that. Something tricky happens sometimes if you get takeout or delivery and you order animal style. Sometimes they'll just give you the packet of that sauce. They're not going to give it to you like Mixed in up. all of its glory. <laughs> well, because they don't know if you're going to eat it right there or eat yeah. it like an hour later. So you have to like get it and then like go inside and get it and then take it outside. But because if you do the drive through or you get, you know, delivery, it's not going to be as good. Mm. Okay. Next time. Next time I'm in California or something, go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> animal style. You tell them animal style and they know what to do? Yep. Okay. okay. But the burger for me, I love how fresh it is. The crisp lettuce, the fresh tomato, the bun is toasted on the grill. No, not doing No, anything. yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of burger I make at home. <laughs> yeah. Something about it though. It's really great. It's good. It's yeah. good stuff. It's not terrible stuff. Carl's Jr. was really good. Mm. There's not enough of those. When I was in college, there was a Carl's Jr. I went to UNLV. There was a Carl's Jr. right across the street. I'd go there all the time. 
I'm not too into fast food. I know we just had a conversation about In-N-Out. <laughs> the only other fast food place I'll eat is Jack in a Box, and I'll mainly just get the breakfast, the breakfast croissant sandwich. Mm, that's good, too. Mm -hmm. And Jack the Oreo shake. Dang. What was that song? Uh, oh. Um, My milkshake. Fancy legs. Oh. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, fancy like. Uh, he's talking about going to uh, Applebee's. Oh, yeah. Applebee's. I've never been Street. to Applebee's. Steak. The whipped cream. The Oreo shake with the whipped cream. I don't know the lyrics. The lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I do if I was listening to it. I could sing the whole thing. But yeah, something about going to Applebee's, the Bourbon Street steak, and uh, Oreo shake. Mm -hmm. It sounds familiar. On top. Yeah. Message us on social yeah. media. <laughs> Two straws, one check. Yeah, got that. Yeah. Do you have a go-to ice cream flavor? Cookies and cream. <gasps> nice. Is that you too? Uh, it's one of them. Okay. I like mocha. I despise mint chocolate chip. Yeah. I don't believe that mint believes in ice cream. It's like people are either mint chocolate chip or they're completely not mint chocolate chip. Yeah. And I also don't believe nuts belong in brownies or cookies. Okay, I thought you were going to say ice cream. I was like, well, I like nuts on the Sundays. But uh, green tea ice cream, I can't. Yeah. I, it's just no. Me too. No, I'm not like, a matcha fan, actually. Yeah. No, I can drink green tea and stuff like that, but green tea ice cream? No, leave my ice cream alone. It's perfect the way it is. Don't start adding green tea. Okay, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be? To fly. I just think that would be amazing. I don't know. It's one of those things. And then you know how we always dream that we can fly. Mm -hmm. But uh, the wind. and Yeah. So like Superman kind of flying? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't want to like read minds or hear people's thoughts or travel through time. Just fly. Just fly. Because, <laughs> you know, if you wish for just flying, there's like different kinds of flying. There's a Superman kind of flying and then like... There's Storm, who like builds a storm around her and she kind of flies up. And then there's like, you can have wings. Like, mm. hey, I wish I could have, I wish I could fly. And then like huge wings sprout on you. Yeah. I haven't really put too much thought into it. Terrible but. genies. <laughs> so yeah, I wish I could fly. And he turns you into a pigeon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are these standard questions that you ask everyone? No. Oh, okay. But they're kind of kooky. Mm, I like All right. Them. Uh, movie. Is there a movie that you can watch over and over and over again? Yes. And I have When Harry Met Sally. Oh. <laughs> Do I remember that? It's um, a love story. And it's about how they kept meeting. And then Billy Crystal tells Meg Ryan that a man and a woman can never be friends. Because someone's always interested in someone. And then that happens and it gets awkward and weird. and da, 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 da. Uh, But anyway, it's a fantastic tale of two friends that become lovers and then they weren't <laughs> and then they connect again so it's actually one of my all-time favorite movies i think everybody knows how many times have you watched it you think probably in the thousands what yeah for sure ever since i was a kid and then even as an adult so it's like a weekly thing almost well, not currently, <laughs> but in the past. And then another movie that really resonated me with me, especially growing up, was uh, Joy Luck Club because of the dynamic between mother and daughter and the relationship and the hardships that they all went through. And so that was a, a really like emotional film mm -hmm. that I will always remember watching it with my mom. 
And uh, although we didn't have that same kind of, you know, relationship, but things were a little bit challenging. Um, when I was in high school, my mom actually got injured and she was on disability. And so she didn't go back to work. So she was home with me. Did she get injured on the job? Mm-hmm. Mm. And so she actually had decided, I think, that she didn't want to go back to work. Because sometimes when people get injured and they get workers' comp and disability, yeah, it's hard. they're like, I'm not going back to work. So anyway, she was she was one of those people and she was home with me. And so it was really challenging. Um, and then we actually had become estranged, too, for seven years prior to when I got married. And then she um, had breast cancer and she emailed me to let me know that she had breast cancer. And then we kind of reconciled towards the end there. And then she passed away from metastatic breast cancer in 2018. Yeah, 2018. So it's a lot of emotions can be felt when you think about that mother-daughter relationship. Do you have any regret on that? No, I felt... So what ended up happening was my mom actually came to visit one month before the wedding for my bridal shower. And then coincidentally, my sister-in-law got married as well on the same day as my bridal shower. So my mom flew in and she stayed with us. And then um, she just kind of had like a psychotic episode the next morning. And I took her to the airport and she got out of the car and she slammed the door and she said, you know, there are millions of kids out there that would have loved to have a mother like me. And she slammed the door and she left. And so that's why we hadn't spoken for seven years because we had this issue and she was pretty hard to live with when I was um when I was in high school you know her just being there she actually had a little bit of probably some psychotic issues and then um became an alcoholic as well but in the end when she did get diagnosed with breast cancer she uh really turned things around. She was very lively and happy and motivated. She would drive herself to her chemo treatments at Wilcox Memorial Hospital, which was probably about an hour one way from where we were living on Kauai. And so, you know, just a very strong, determined woman. And so the first time she was diagnosed with breast cancer, I think it was stage four, um, she was doing all that and the treatment and blah, blah, blah. And then it went away. And then when it came back, that's when, you know, everything went downhill. And so I had actually um, gone to New Zealand around Easter time, and she had been in touch. And then um, Kauai had had those crazy floods. It was April 2018. And um, during that weekend of the devastating floods that they're still recovering from, mm -hmm. she had passed away on the living room floor. So it was pretty intense. Um, I was running errands and I stopped at a gas station and I checked my email and I got an email from a friend of hers that said, your mom has gone to heaven. So I called the police department and I said, I think my mom has died. And they said, hold on, we'll connect you to the responding officers. Officer picks up, says, what's your name? What's your relation to the deceased? And then he said, yes, I can confirm there's a body. You have 24 hours to take care of it. And so it was just like, and you're like, I was in Honolulu at the gas station. Oh, you're in Honolulu. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, oh, sorry. I don't know why I brought up that I went to New Zealand for <laughs> Easter. Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe I brought it up because that was the last time I had talked to her before my trip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why. Cause I, she'd said like she wanted to treat 
Daniel and I to something for Easter. And I was like, no, it's okay. And then, yeah, we had gone to, my friends and I had gone to, um, to New Zealand. But yeah, because of the flooding, I was like, hey, are you okay? So I had emailed her, like, are you okay because of the flooding? And then, of course, she didn't respond. And then when I got the email from her friend, then I was like, oh. And then one month later, I was on Kauai. She had two dogs, a pack rat issue or hoarding issue. And um, I had been on this high um, high risk detection plan for breast cancer because mm-hmm. she had breast cancer. My grandma had breast cancer. My aunt had breast cancer. And I had my mammogram. So I flew over to Honolulu. And then they had found something and then I had to fly back. And then it was benign. It was nothing. And then at that point, I said, okay, well, let's do genetic testing. Found out I had genetic mutations. So I said, okay, let's remove my breasts. So it all had this a lot of emotion attached to it because of everything that had transpired prior in my life being estranged from my mom, reconciling with my mom, going on this amazing trip, coming back, devastating floods, and then to find out my mom died that same weekend. Uh, But one good thing did come out of it. I was able to donate bedding, clothing, food, Mm. and shoes because we had Red Cross and everything during the flood time. And and so, yeah, I spent about a year on Kauai cleaning all that up, and then we ended up selling my childhood home in Kilauea. I mean, there's a silver lining around. You go out out there and help. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest life lesson takeaway from all of that? It really is to appreciate everyone and everything around you because it's gone in an instant. You know, I was living my best life, traveling all over the world, doing all these wonderful things, and then my world came crashing down. It was like I was living in a nightmare. I never really got to say goodbye to my mom. I wasn't there for her. I wasn't able to care for her. Um, She was just a a body that was laying on the living room floor that the responding officers had to break into the house to get in. And, you know, so it was really challenging. And I, I also found, if anybody takes anything away from this, when someone goes through something really tra- tragedy, tragic and devastating and emotional, don't stop talking to them. Don't block them out. Don't ignore them. That's when they need you the most. And I found that a lot of people, they blocked me out. They said, oh, we didn't want to bother you. Or I didn't think you could make it to this or that. Or like, how come you didn't invite me to your birthday? Oh, I didn't think you were available. Like, like you know, so just be there. But going back to your question, yeah, like you really do have to embrace and hug and kiss your kids and your family member and your husband and your wife and appreciate them because everything can change in an instant. I think you brought up a really good point right there, how people are just kind of blocking you off, so to speak, because in their minds you were too busy Mm -hmm. or you had something else going on or whatever, and they just never reached out. Is that what kind of happened? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, like, obviously for me, everything happened really quickly. I called my husband and told him that my mom died. And then I had called a few people to tell them, like, oh, I'm on Kauai, my mom died. And then they're like, oh, you know, why didn't you tell me? Like, it's people take it and they make it about them when it really should be about you. Mm -hmm. And then I think some people got offended, like, oh, you know, like, why didn't you ask me for help? You know, kind of a thing. But I, I definitely found that there were some people that would, just check in, like, how's everything going? Just a text or call or even a message on social media. 
But then some close friends, it's like nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. And so I, I did write a blog about what to do when someone's going through tragedy. Yeah, but I think some of the things that I told, I said was like, <clears throat> and I'm not getting all verklempt. Reach out, check in, ask if you need anything, bring food, um, let other people know, you know, to offer support. Um, I think the number one thing is just checking in. Yeah. Letting them know that you're there. It's, it's kind of weird <clears throat> how as a society we've gotten all these new communication devices and we're more connected than we've ever been in human history, yet we still have a problem with communication. Absolutely. And it just kind of magnetize, it magnifies where people just aren't talking to each other. And we can take that to workplace, politics, whatever, how just people aren't communicating back and forth and ideas and stuff are getting just lost in the mix and mm -hmm. confused. And there's so much miscommunication. Right. Another good reason to have a long form podcast. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't want like the two minute tidbit. I want the 45 minute tidbit where you get all your ideas out. And we clearly know what you're talking about. So do you have children? So I have two boys, uh, 14 and 12. Oh, ah, yeah. are those good ages for you right now? Yeah. Cause I can, I'm still stronger than them and taller? Somewhat, somewhat faster, still a little bit taller than my oldest. Maybe like an inch taller, but he's got bigger feet than I do. So he's going to be, he's going to be big. He's got bigger feet than I do, but smaller hands. Hmm. So it's like, oh dude, you still have some growing to do. I was going to say, he's going to grow into those hands. Yeah. He's, he's totally going to grow. Um, but it's a good age cause I can still play with them like sports and stuff like that. We go do, uh, they throw lacrosse or they play lacrosse. We still can do that. Hockey? No, oh. I actually haven't played in months. Yeah. I kind of just stopped doing that. And did like more uh, podcast stuff and, and whatnot. Mm. And uh, Airsoft. We just recently started doing Airsoft back in October. And that was just like super fun. Yeah. So now we're doing that. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that they like doing that. You know, I, my dad was in the military. He was in the army. So I grew up playing, you know, with guns, like, you know, toy guns and stuff like that. All the neighborhood kids. That's what we do. And playing paintball in high school and college. And so it's been kind of a nice nostalgic kickback to all that with mm. my boys uh, starting to get into Airsoft. And they like it. So and they like it. Yeah. They enjoy it. Yeah, it's really, it actually, like, it's it's a very, um, how can I explain it, where it's unlike any other real sport where you have people engaging and, like, shooting babies at you. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you whether you hunker down behind something and scream for help or you take action and start throwing BBs back at the person or start thinking about where you should go or what you should do. So you can really look at players and see like the fight or flight kind of syndrome coming into play. What their mindset can really they is. think under pressure? Yeah, it, it's huge. You know, if you really take it down and break it down to that way, you can see some of these kids are really good and they can think on their feet and they're not, they're getting over the fears when they first get out there and BBs are flying everywhere and yeah, it hurts, but you know, that's brilliant, that especially for them at that age. Yeah. So it's a lot of, I, I look at it as like, you know, uh, growing and problem solving and Adapting. courage building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause like, if you can do that and be confident doing that, you can build your own personal confidence to go do other stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everybody gotta go play airsoft to do that, but you know, it's one of the ways that these kids can do that. 
Do you get bad bruises? Totally. <sighs> I got shot in the side of the head in the temple. Ooh. And it was like, it was bleeding. <laughs> I got shot like really close. Ooh. Yeah. Did it leave a scar? Yeah, it's like a little... I think, yeah. I think I see it. it looks, I didn't want to say something in case like it was like a pimple. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it was actually... It actually looked like a pimple that had burst and, ble and was bleeding. Mm. But yeah, I was like getting punched in the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> I've I never played that. it. I've done laser tag. Yeah. <laughs> it's like laser tag, but it hurts. Yeah. yeah. And, and you get a little bit dirty and stuff. But yeah, it's so fun. It's really, really had a really good time. Yeah. So we go do that a lot and they're good age, you mm -hmm. know, where we can, they still, I think they still think, uh, dad is this super individual. Cool. Yeah. You're still cool. Still cool. <laughs> Sometimes. But I'm also getting into that, uh, realm of their ages, age group where I can embarrass them in front of their friends. Mm. Huge embarrassment. Yeah. Do really they like have cell phones? Yeah. Are they constantly on the phone? Yeah. Uh. I mean, they're constantly using it to like watch. YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing how dive uh, we can totally dive into um, technology and the communications because just a few years ago, schools, doctors, teachers were saying, "Hey, you shouldn't have more than two hours of screen time for your kid." Mm -hmm. Pandemic comes, and now it's like, well, they're on their screens for eight hours a day. You know, some sometimes they're on their screens all day all day during school and then for homework. And they're doing all this other stuff. It's like, you're on your electronics longer than I am when I'm at work. Mm -hmm. But it's, that's the way society's going. Yeah. You know, it's getting more technological. Yeah. Well, I do that for work. Mm -hmm. I do social media and digital marketing. And even when I'm hanging out with my friends and they're constantly on their phone, it's like, <laughs> can what you just you doing? put can it put down? down and talk? <laughs> I'm managing like two dozen social media accounts and I've got my phone in my purse. What are you doing? <laughs> Can I just text you? It's like, no, I'm sitting right here. Like, but we've even gotten to that where like if someone's in the bathroom, you just like send them a text instead of going over there knocking on the door. <laughs> That's, yeah. Oh, do they need toilet paper or something? Something. It's always something. Or hurry up, you know, oh. hurry up in the bathroom. <laughs> gotcha. Because what do they do? They bring their phone in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Everybody does. Even though you might not want it. Everybody admits it. No, not everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's a thing. And um, it's, I know with school, they're training or teaching the kids to be successful for the future, mm -hmm. not to be successful today. So like, if you can remember, we didn't have these like 15 years ago. And now everybody and the kids have these. Yeah. Like in 15 years, our, our society has changed and revamped so much with these cell phones. It's sad. Yeah. It's great, but then it's also sad. So 2020, because it was COVID time, right? Uh, I think it was the second, right around after the second lockdown when we could go to the beach. We had our 10-year-old niece come and stay with us for the weekend. And it was so refreshing. We took her to the North Shore. We went snorkeling. We did all this stuff. And she would just sit there. I should want to be on present. her no, she didn't have a phone. Oh, she didn't have a phone. Oh. She just sit there present, look out the truck window and, you know, and I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Well, now she has a cell phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> there just has to be ground rules for some of those things. Like, yeah. hey, we're going to this, you know, we're going to the beach, put your phone away, mm -hmm. you know, look at the mountains, 
It's there. It's green. I know. Okay. Well, look at the mountains anyways. I just loved seeing her sitting there in the back seat of the truck looking out the window. Because everyone else would be on their phones. <laughs> we went on a uh, RV trip. To uh, We got RVs in San Francisco. We went with a troop of families, five different families. Each family got their own RV. And we drove through San Francisco. And we're just about to go over the Golden Gate Bridge. And I remember my son was inside uh, one of the other RVs with his friend. And they were just on their phones and tablets and stuff. And it's like, dude, you're missing out on the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, you've never been here before and we're driving over it. Now's the time to get off your tablet and look. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to. Oh. They wanted to go over there and take it and be like, nope, you're not on this for the rest of the trip. But it was like the first day of the trip. And that was the only time that they were going to be on their devices or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I went to San Francisco to celebrate my birthday many, many years ago. And that's where I sprained my ankle because we were bicycling across the Golden Gate Bridge. My husband was in front of me and there was a like go from the road to like a sidewalk to like a grassy hill. And he just jumped his bike. And then I went and I was like, I'm not confident enough to jump my bike. So I put my foot down to pick up the bike. And that's when I sprained my ankle. So whenever someone talks about the Golden Gate Bridge, I always think about my sprained ankle. (laughs) (laughs) Tragic event. Yeah, Yeah. my ankle. I hate that bridge. (laughs) Oh, it's such a beautiful bridge. Yeah, I broke my ankle over there. It sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was tragic. So what happened after that? I mean, could you still ride the bike? You could still ride yep, the bike. I could still ride the bike. Yeah. yeah. It's like you don't really know exactly how bad it is, right? Because yeah. then it just swells. and It was still a good trip. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good time. Good. <laughs> <laughs> then I came back and then I was on the news and I had a brace and everyone was like, what? What happened to your ankle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bicycling is not something you usually hinder your ankle on. <laughs> I know. I know. It's That's so funny. silly. <laughs> That's what happens, though. I knew I had a friend. Um, we we played hockey together uh, for years and years and years. And he came into the rink one day and he had a big cast on his foot. It's like, dude, what happens? Like, I broke my foot. I'm like, what did you do? Were you playing hockey or something? He's like, dude, I was walking, and I stepped funny, and I heard a crack, and I broke my foot. I'm yep. like, what? You're an athlete, dude. What are you doing breaking your foot walking? Yep. Just those kind of stories. Yeah, just crazy kind of stuff. Like or that. like getting up in the morning and sitting up and sneezing and then you hurt your back oh, I've been there. or something. I've done that. Yeah. It's, it's called getting older. Yeah. Tying my kid's shoe uh, for lacrosse, bending over and all of a sudden my back, I can feel like oh. tendons come apart. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> daddy's got to sit down for like an hour. <laughs> uh, I was so mad at my, my own body for being that pathetic. Yeah. That pulled. <laughs> that wasn't doing anything. It's just like, Bending over. I must apologize. I When I shake my head, I think my earrings are making noise. I can't hear them. I hear a little them bit. now. Yeah, yeah they're, they're nice and jingly, though. Are they real <laughs> pearls? I think so. I'm not sure. I, uh, I'm i a bargain shopper, nice. and I actually got them at the Made in Hawaii Festival. And it's from the lady that owns Lou Coral. It's, it's a pretty well-known pearl store or whatever back in the day. And she started a new line, and I think there were like three or four pairs of earrings for $20. Oh, wow. So I don't know if they're real, but... They look nice. I know. I think I bought like six. Nice. <laughs> Support local. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Oh. Um, Let's hit on this this question. Is there a historical figure that you love that you would like to have lunch with? So I thought about this, and I wouldn't say that this person is actually a historical figure, but it's someone that I would agree many people would want to have lunch with, and it's Anthony Bourdain. Where is he from again? I recognize the name. (laughs) He's the um, television host, chef, food writer. Oh, right, right, right. No reservations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just because of the breadth of knowledge in return, you know, in regards to culinary and being a chef, an accomplished chef and all of his travels. And he was just magnificent in his writing when he would write those shows and just... uh, a wonderful legacy that he's left behind. So he's still around, right? No, he passed. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. So that's that's one of the people that I was thinking about. What would you ask him? What would you like to talk to him about? Oh, geez, maybe his favorite meal. Oh, yeah, because he's just traveled all over the world and done so many, you know, things without boundaries, like you know, eating in shacks in Africa and you know, just all those crazy things. So I think for sure. Did he do a show here? Mm-hmm. He did, right? Yeah. I think he did one here, and they went to Helena's and ate Spam and all that kind of jazz. What's your favorite local food? Poke. Nice. Yes. Any different type of poke? Um, I, I like them all, uh, but I would say I'm kind of a little bit of a traditionalist with just the shoyu poke. Mm. And you might be shocked. I don't like onions. No, not shocked. Okay. So, so it's one of those things that I always pick out the onions, the green and the white, yeah. and I just want the fish. Yeah. Well, you could also say, no, I'm a news person. Like, I can't be eating onions. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, I really don't like onions. Good no, thing even, is Even no. when I get a burger, I take off the onions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I like grilled onions. I don't, like yeah. Really cooked I don't mind soggy. caramelized onions, yeah. but raw, no way. No. No. What's your favorite poke? Uh, yeah, no, just a regular. Okay. Show you poke. I do really enjoy the California one with the crab and the avocado. Ooh. Yeah. And then also garlic poke, like where they do like crispy garlic bits with fish sauce and. So connecting two dots here, I like French fry poke. Poke French fries? Something like that. Oh, it's poke okay. with French fries. Okay. Where do you get that? Uh, it was at a place in Shirokia, but I don't think they're there anymore. Oh. Yeah. Cool. My friend bought it for me. I was just like, what is this? Wow. There's poke and french fries? So kind of like poke nachos, but replace the chips with fries. Yeah. There's like all kinds of garnish and, mm. and sauce and stuff on mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it was so delicious. <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to share it and I just ate the whole thing. Nice. Yeah. No. When it comes to french fries, this guy don't share. Well, um, my <laughs> husband doesn't eat seafood. So, so you get all the poke. I get it all. Nice. Yeah. The Foodland stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Although the best poke bowl on the island is from Kahuku Supret. And it's kind of like a fermented, there's an older Korean lady that started it. It's in a big container that big. There's like that much rice and that much poke. Ooh. And it's got that chili, sesame, soy, indescribable. That is hands down the best poke bowl. Okay. Yeah. But nowadays, poke bowls are going to run you like... 15 and up a lot of food is yeah yeah uh, prices is just kind of kept creeping up and up and up and up, and up. Mm-hmm. we actually went to this bar 
I kind of thought it was going to be like a dive bar for us to go to on a regular basis. It's called the Beach House in Kaneohe, and it's across the street from Windward Mall and Zippy's, kind of at this corner. And so I kept saying, that's going to be our dive bar. That's going to be our dive bar. We're going to go. So we went the other day. Auntie welcomes us. We walk in. She's like, oh, what you want to drink? And then my husband orders a beer, and I ordered this like fancy pink Mai Tai or something that they had come up with. And I was like, oh, I want the poke. She's like, oh, we don't have that. Too expensive. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I got garlic chicken, uh, furukake fries, and my husband got a steak. And it was awesome. But of course, you know, just had that like divey, super local. They had live entertainment. It was the floor sticky? I think so. Yeah, that's how you know it's good stuff. Yep. <laughs> well, actually, my husband was taking pictures in the bathroom because he's in construction. And I guess the way... He's taking pictures in the bathroom. Yeah, because the way that they had built out the sink and things, like nothing was lining up. And there was like shower curtains separating things. And he just thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's curtains in my bathroom too. (laughs) But they were a little bit prettier. Yeah, at least there are curtains. Yeah. (laughs) Ice Palace back in the day, uh, the men's bathroom, the toilet stalls didn't have doors. Oh. It's like, why wouldn't you have doors or curtains or something? Oh. You'd take a poop right there in front of everybody. <gasps> TMI. Yeah. No, that was Ice Palace for a very long time. Oh, wow. Until like maybe just the three or four years ago when they oh. put doors on. I think I've only been to Ice Palace maybe three times. Actually, one time that I went was to skate with and interview Christy Yamaguchi. <gasps> Ooh. Yes. And I hadn't ice skated for maybe 15 years. So I went early because I was thinking, oh, maybe they'll let me go and I can like kind of mosey along. Maybe you could learn in like get an my hour. sea legs or whatever, ice legs. <laughs> and then no, they're no. like, okay, and go. And I'm like, eh, eh, eh. like, no, I promise I can ice skate. It's just been like 15 years. Did you have one of those uh, walkers? No, but uh, she was so sweet though. She was really nice. <laughs> I kind of forgot that I had interviewed her, but yeah, that was, that was really cool. <laughs> I want them to open up again. They still haven't opened up. Really? Yeah. They've been shut down this entire time. Wow. That's kind of crazy. I recently went on a cruise for that Tohoga TV filming, and we went to Puerto Vallarta. And the dock where the ship had docked at was kind of like an Aloha Tower, where it's kind of run down, nothing's really open, a couple of shops. This is December, right? Yeah, first week of December. It's hot. The weather's the same as Hawaii. Mm. There was an ice skating rink in the middle of this run-down Aloha Tower-looking thing wow. in Mexico. And it's actual ice? Yeah. Wow. No one was using it, but we were like, Why is ice no skating rink. <laughs> That's so crazy. Why was nobody in there? It's I guess so maybe weird. it wasn't open. Maybe they were doing oh. things at night or something, but it was just super random. Like if you were to go to <laughs> Aloha Tower and like in the middle of Aloha Tower, there's an ice skating rink. They had one at Ward, mm-hmm. right? The little one. Yeah. yeah, we went to that. Oh, that fun. was cool. That's that was really cool because you could see Alamo, uh, yeah, Alamoana Beach Park right out there mm. while you're skating on ice. And then it got really crowded. Yeah, it was like super packed. I wish they would bring stuff like that back. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have gatherings nowadays. Have you had any COVID scares? Um, not scares. Mm. But I think with the. Omicron, it's just more and more people are getting it, but it's like not really making them sick. Yeah, that's you know, good. Headache, sniffle. Oh, that was an hour. Oh, 
just like headaches and sniffles and yeah just like a little cold yeah which in my opinion is like well, okay that's that's not bad yeah if you're not getting sick and dying you're not even getting a fever um give it to me so we've, i can get over it we've known some people that have gotten it like after they saw us or after they saw me like someone be like oh i just want to let you know i have covid and I'm like oh when do you think you got it sunday night i'm like okay well i saw you saturday morning you know uh, but we did have a little bit of a scare. My husband played golf with someone on Wednesday and they tested positive on Thursday. And then it was like, of course, the whole weekend is isolated at home. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing negative. Um, yeah. When I heard about the um, the Antarctic research base from like this Belgian Antarctic research base, and there's 25 people there. And they had a quarantine in South Africa before they even went. They had to test. They had to be vaccinated and everything. Test. And it was over the course of like two weeks just to even get to this research facility. And they go to the research facility, test when they get there. And they all have to test negative mm-hmm. or you get shipped back out. And then while they're there, they're continuously testing. Right. Okay. And five days into it, they all test. They all test negative. And then a few days after that, there's an outbreak. It's like that's – you can't get any more isolated than that. Like how is there an outbreak? It, it was in somebody or something, and it just yeah. festered and yep. spread. So it's like, well, if yeah, I guess isolation doesn't doesn't work. Wow, they're isolated. Yep, yep. So I don't know. Yeah, you probably don't want to be diving into all the COVID stuff, right? No. Oh, but I'm, well. I'm ready to get back to you know <laughs> normal. You guys can wear masks and everything. That's fine. That's cool. Um, I think I will still wear a mask whenever I'm on an airplane. Mm-hmm. For the rest of my life. I have a trick for you. When they do the meal service, yeah. keep your mask on. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to do my mask. Like wear a mask. It, planes are disgusting. I, mean, I you're eat dealing with recycled before air. before all that. Because the, when the meal service happens, everyone takes off their mask and they're eating and drinking. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to wait. And then I look. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what else do we have to ask you over here? Oh, do you have a life philosophy? Happy wife, happy life. No. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm really all about positivity, mm. living a life of positivity and, and sharing positive vibes. And uh, that's also why I quit the news is I wanted to live a more positive, nurturing life and have a just, you know, when you think of the news, it's like doom and gloom and negative and I just wanted to do something that was not so sad every day and not so negative and just something that when I would wake up every morning, I was happy to do. And so, yeah, I don't really have like a slogan or anything that I've come up with. I guess I should. <clears throat> but if there's anything that I try to showcase to my friends or followers on social media is I always try to have a very positive and uplifting message and motivate people to just, you know, smile at someone today or make a difference in someone's life today and show appreciation for your loved ones today. And so just to always have a really positive, enriching life. Is it an issue with the news to only be negative and to put out negative con- or? I would say so. Cause you know, there's a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Right. And then when I first started working in news, I, I did feel pretty down and, and, you know, cause I was the I was the night reporter, so I was covering the stabbings and the brush fires and the murders and the sex assaults and things like that. And I I was like, 
you know, I was able to separate work from personal life and not necessarily take those experiences home. But it was like you couldn't really tell happy stories. It was more, you know, there was a boy who had a brain tumor and I, I had broke that story on him. And and then it became like, well, why does he have the brain tumor? Who's accountable for the brain tumor? Like, who's responsible? How come his doctors didn't, you know, catch it soon enough? And just like, oh, you just can't. I just couldn't tell a story about a boy that had a dream to meet the rock and and live all these dreams, you know, before he passed. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't I don't think this is this is where I want to be. And so, yeah, I just try to I don't even watch the news now. I read it like everyone else on their phone. But uh, I uh, I think there are certain ways that the media is skewing things like I just did a couple of videos today about how it's making international news that Hawaii is requiring visitors be boosted before coming to Hawaii. That's not correct. The governor said that he's considering making fully vaccinated be that you're also boosted. So three vaccines. Nothing has been done. There's no rule. There's no mandate. There's no changes to safe travels. He said it in an interview, and then all the media, CNN, the Daily Mail, across the world, you can Google it. They're saying, Hawaii changes the world, da, 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 da. Like, no, it's just semantics at this point. But he said he's considering making the change to be in line with the CDC guidelines. And so that was one example of how media takes something, and it's clickbait, or it's, you know. So in my video, I said, if I could share with you one thing, when you see that news headline, Read the article. Right. Read it from top to bottom because it clearly states that this hasn't happened yet. But the headline is misleading. And too many people these days, they just read the headline and yep. take the headline as... News. Yeah, the entire part And of then it. they don't like, even read the, the byline headline. either. Like, it's just the headline and then, you know, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to share this on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> it's like, did you read it or did yeah. you just, like, vomit this out? Like, when I think the news agencies are doing that on purpose because... Yeah. The real headline should have been governor of Hawaii considering requiring booster to visit or, you know, yeah. like. And people would still get pissed off at that, yeah. but they would have a different But now, like, I kind of want to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I can just Google it and tell you. <laughs> I'm going to just type in Hawaii booster. News. Hawaii will require COVID booster shots for tourists to be considered fully vaccinated. Hawaii governor considering COVID boosters as part of state's travel rules. Hawaii requiring travelers have COVID booster. So, so he hasn't actually done it, but the, these things are all putting out things that they, they are requiring. Travel and leisure. Hawaii may require COVID-19 booster. And then, yeah. So... New York Post, Hawaii requiring tourists to have booster shot to be fully vaccinated. False and misleading. Yeah. <laughs> CNN, Hawaii governor considering COVID boosters as part of state's travel rules. They actually edited that because it didn't say that before. And then if you click on it <clears throat> at the bottom, it says correction. A previous version of this story incorrectly characterized the possible oh. changes around traveling to Hawaii. So they too, and I'm not citing with any 
news source right. at all. I'm not. But it's it's the accuracy of of all news media's. Yes. Just put stuff out there that's clickbaity yeah. versus what's accurate. Yeah. And they got to watch out because there's. I think I saw another headline that said like CNN has lost like ninety percent of their viewership, or is it seventy percent? Something like that. Some huge chunk of their viewership. It's like, well, yeah. It's really hard, but I try to read as much as possible if I'm interested in a particular news topic. Right. Um, but I'm really grateful that I'm not working in the news industry right now because I feel like when there would be a wind advisory, they'd be like, "Well, you have to go out there and find wind," and if it wasn't really windy. They would send me to the Pali lookout <laughs> to take video of people standing in the wind, of which it's always it's windy. always windy. So that's just an example. <laughs> but even when they get the weather wrong, mm. really wrong, and I know here we live in an island. It's not always accurate. You can't. It can be raining here, but not there. But when you get it on, like when I look at the news and it says zero percent chance of rain. And I go outside and it's buckets. <laughs> like, that's insanely wrong. Like, yeah. what were you looking at? But the sun's shining. <laughs> but it was pouring. Yeah. Like, 0% chance? Why would you put 0% chance when there's clearly clouds in the sky yeah. that are gray and buckets coming down? Yeah. Crazy. It's like, if you, if you got the weather wrong here in Hawaii or that wrong, like, if you said 5% chance of rain, I would have been okay. Yeah. So, 0%? Well, maybe you can help me come up with a saying. What's my saying now? Now that you know uh, me and you met me. Don't worry, be happy. No, <laughs> that's already taken. I don't know. It's like Subway. Stay, <laughs> stay fresh. No, keep it fresh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But for anything like that, I kind of sleep on it. Yeah. I tell my brain before I go to sleep, hey, work on this project. And then you'll wake up in the morning. Ah. Oh, I'll wake up at like 2 a.m. and be like, ah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it'll just pop in my brain. Be nice and do what makes you happy. <laughs> be nice and do what makes you happy. Be nice and be happy. B-N-B-H. <laughs> could fit that on a t-shirt. I think when I was Miss Hawaii, the night that I was running for Miss Hawaii and they had that onstage question, um, they asked me what my favorite quote was and who told it to me and I just made it up. I said, my mom said, mm -hmm. if you believe you can achieve <laughs> and you can set your mind Wait, wasn't that the, to do the DOE in the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was like, this is your brain on drug. No, but, uh, yeah, I guess it'll come to me. Well, if something comes up in, in my brain, I'll definitely send it, okay. send it your way. Cause it's like, well, what do you actually, what's your, What's your theme behind wanting a saying? Is it for your show? No, just because if people ask me what my your life personal quote is. Your personal quote. <laughs> Do I even have a personal quote? Because um, I would say, I mean, I would have to make one up. Now I sleep now when really I thinking, die. Yeah, there's time to sleep when you die, definitely. Yeah, I think that's you. Um. I think for me, it has to do with breaking down your mental barriers because I'm all about that. Hmm. Yeah. Or like, I, I don't like when it comes into my own brain that, hey, you can't do that or you can't do this or this is out of your reach. It's like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's like if I really wanted to and I started working on something, I'd get there. 
That's great. And I think if anybody could have that. If you believe, you can achieve. You can achieve. See right there. Boom. You believe you can achieve. But the, you have to throw in work in there too because you can't just believe it. Yeah. Like having a belief in something yeah. uh, as far as like a goal is great. Like you can't just manifest it. Yeah. You have to have a plan. There's no genie. Execution. Just, but start. Mm-hmm. Start somewhere and start doing something to make yourself happy. Yeah. Like I like how you started your own uh, social media company. Yeah, back in 2014. I had actually done social media before. I had done it for Wake Up Today and at the news station. And so it was interesting because I think at that time, like John Garcia, Melissa Chang, Toby Tamai, they were doing social media and they were my friends. So I actually had reached out to them to tell them, like, I think I'm going to quit my job and start doing social media. Such a small community. Now everybody and their sisters, aunties, cousins, nieces doing social media. But shout out to John Garcia. Yep. Yep. He is definitely at the forefront. Yeah, because he pushed me, he helped push me over the edge uh, to take the podcast from just a hobby to more of a business. Yeah, he's a great innovator, and I think he was calling himself a creator and creative back before it was a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one piece of advice I think he gave to me when I had met with him, and I didn't believe him, and I didn't take it, and now I say this every time I do some kind of empowerment workshop or whatever, don't meet with people (laughs) because it's kind of a waste of time. So first things first, if they request to meet or whatever, blah, 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 I say like, oh, what is this for? You know, see if your needs and wants align with what I can provide. So maybe email, then do a call and then maybe do another call and then maybe meet. But for me, I was getting people like, hey, let's meet. Maybe we can work together. So I was going out and I was meeting with all these people and it was such a waste of time. Yeah. And I should have listened to John in the beginning because he said it. So even now when I talk to people, I tell them, don't meet with anybody, <laughs> which they're kind of like, what? And I'm like, no, seriously, like you don't want to waste your time. And especially if you're a woman, it's a little bit longer for us to get ready, oh. you know, brush the hair, whatever. We're going to do makeup, get dressed, jewelry. Um, but it does seem a little counterintuitive because, you know, you want to meet with people that might be potential clients or whatever it is. But uh, now, post-COVID or in the midst of COVID, nobody's meeting in person anyway, so you can just Zoom. (laughs) So it kind of all worked out in the end. Very cool. Wise rewards from John. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm going to use that. Don't meet. Yeah. Start the process before Mm -hmm. and then build up to a meeting. Cool. I like it when it goes from like email to like maybe a call and then Mm -hmm. an email and then they disappear and then I'm like, huh. They weren't really that serious. <laughs> Thank goodness that yeah. didn't get any farther. <laughs> but on the flip side, like I got to be cognizant of that for myself, like asking people to meet. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's Don't nice. Waste their you time. actually, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like when we initially connected, and I was like, "Email me." Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, let's. I like to communicate that way. <laughs> so yeah, it all worked out. Yes. All right. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been so fantastic having you talk and it's getting been, to the real deep Olena. It's been a unique opportunity, actually. I don't think I've shared a lot of those stories with anyone mm-hmm. before. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. That's like really validating for me. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. I know one time my husband and I went on a trip. We were visiting his family in California, driving from different homes and uh, one time we got deep like that with his uncle Norman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And uh, I don't think anyone else has ever asked me those kind of questions. And I hadn't ever revealed the whole being raised by different families and being alone, you know, like staying by myself. Um, I think that's the only time that they were like asking me about me. Yeah. And I, and I had that opportunity to share that. So thank you. Of course. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> All right, everybody. The lovely Elena. And hey. as always, stay happy, Hoy. You got to throw your shackles too. If you believe. You can achieve. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>